I say this, I'm not, I'm not lifting us up. But when I say this, Jim, Jim has been saying for some time, he'd, he'd been very vocal when he started coming here. He'd been kind of out and about, and he hadn't been really locked in like he wanted to be. He started coming here, and he said, man, I don't know why I didn't come here sooner. <laughs> he said, I'm getting what I need from the things that I'm hearing at this church. And that's not, not lifting us up. But as, as like Pastor said, if one person says they're getting fed, then it's all worthwhile. And for him to be in his situation, going through what he's going through right now, for him to say, I listened to the message this morning, which is fantastic. I heard the word. I heard the word. And that's exactly what I needed right there. Then it, it was all worthwhile. And so I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that, what, what the word that goes forth out of this place and from this pulpit uh, that we're getting, that we get the truth uh, unto edification and unto God's glory. Good. Yeah. Well, we're, and I'm thankful for that. I really am very, very thankful for that. Um, Lee said you were open. You were talking about that choice, and um, God has been—he's been a—he's been, uh, been a father. To, he's been a—he's been a friend, but he's also been a father to me. And and it's nice to know him as a friend. But I've also known him as a father. And that a father corrects his children when they need to be corrected. He's proud of them when they make good choices. But he corrects them when they make incorrect choices. He's been a father to me. I'm sure you get what I'm saying. And I've been corrected uh, many times. And not just, not just, sometimes not just a little corrected, like a lot corrected. I wasn't a little wrong, I was a lot wrong. And I've, I've never, in my relationship with the Lord, and, and I don't know about anyone else's relationship, I just know how he's been with me. And in my time with him, uh, he's, very, he's always been very cut and dry. He tells me exactly what I need to hear when I need to hear it, and some of these things are very hard to hear. Some things are very difficult, but that's him being a father. And, and we want the friend, but we don't always want the father. Everybody always likes a friend. I mean, you know, friends are like, it's going to be okay. That's what friends say. But a father tell you that it may not be okay if you don't change your stuff. Amen. <laughs> That's what a father says. And sometimes he's been a friend to me, but sometimes he's been a father too. And I think that sometimes we need to hear hard things. And the, the messages that come forth out of here, uh, and, and Pastor and I talked about this. I mean... It's not anything deep. And I think that's where uh, uh, the churches went wrong is we got away from some of the basic fundamentals of Christianity and just good old-fashioned basic teaching. Just what did God say, and are we doing it or are we not doing it? And then lining up. And it really is. When you really get to looking at it, it's actually really simple to get yourself back in the line. So when I was, I sought the Lord for this, for this word for you, and you're going to be maybe taking them back just a, a little bit of how simple the word tonight is going to be. Just turn to with me to the book of James. Book of James, chapter 5. 
James chapter 5, verse 13, says this. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. I don't know what the overall consensus is of time spent in prayer. I don't know. Um, we often talk about in church all the things that we have to pray for. I would say that considering the climate of our nation, personal struggles, family struggles, uh, random people that come up to you and ask you for prayer struggles, uh, just the, the conglomerate, a person could stay in prayer for quite some time. Amen. They really could. They could stay in prayer for quite some time. I think the thing that I often forget about is that even though we look at we look at the people that we look at people that suffer and that are dealing with things and we're praying for and I would I would venture to say that some of you are have very specific prayers in in your prayer time you're praying for very specific things and you're you're praying for family or you're praying for sick loved ones or you're praying for lost loved ones or you're you're praying for people in the church you're praying for something that's taking place you're praying for the craziness that's going on in our government right now. You're 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 binding stuff up or whatever it is. You're you're really putting yourself into that. But this this scripture, is, I've read over this scripture many times, and most of the time the meat and potatoes of these set of scriptures is a little bit later. But the thing that caught me was is is any among you afflicted? Stop afflicted. The thing that you have to come to really grips with on a personal level is are you under affliction are you under affliction and if you are then the command is to pray about the affliction you think well that's common sense right i don't know Maybe we spend so much time thinking about other situations and other things, we don't really realize how much we have been afflicted. I'm not trying to make something out of nothing here. But the first command that we get is, if you have been afflicted, then you need to be praying about your affliction. And I said, I just said within myself, I was like, this is not exactly the word that I want to bring tonight because everybody should know that when they're afflicted, they should be praying. But if you don't realize or you're not even thinking about it as an affliction, maybe you look at your life as being something that's just happenstance. Maybe there's things going on in your life right now that are afflicting you that you just consider as common. It's just something I got to deal with. And no prayers are actually going up. And considering an overall, I was looking at this, I looked at Barna, Barna Research Group, Pew Research Group, and I was trying to bring into this, this, uh, around about maybe uh, some research that went into prayer time. And I couldn't really find anything. It's kind of across the board. Some people had said some research had said 12 minutes. Some people said 15 minutes. Some people said 20 minutes. And there was all this research from all different places. So I said, you know what? I don't really know what the research is going to come up to. I really don't know what the time frame is going to come up to as far as what the average prayer time is. But I'm going to venture to say that we don't often get everything into that prayer time like we would want to. But sometimes I believe that we underestimate the effect that our own afflictions have on us. Anybody ever felt worn down? 
Anybody ever felt, Pastor, you were talking about some of this this morning. And uh, I always attribute maybe some of those words and like burnout. Anyone ever felt burnout before? Afflicted. Amen. Afflicted. Going Amen. through something that afflicts you. But sometimes we're afflicted for so long in certain areas, in certain ways, that maybe we started off praying about it, and maybe we've prayed a little bit about it, but if we're completely honest, maybe we don't even pray about it anymore. That it's just something we've lived with. It's, it's kind of like, a, you know, I, I chomped down on a hot dog from Sonic one time in Texas. I was trying to leave. I picked up some, some stuff at Best Buy, and I went to Sonic, and I, I chomped down on this hot dog, and this hot dog had a rock in it. And it shattered one of my teeth. And my whole side of my face went numb. Of course, I'm not going to the dentist. But I'm living with this pain. And it's just there. And I got so used to living with it, I just didn't really think too much about it. Well, the center of my tooth fell out, revealing the root. And when the wind would blow, <laughs> and if my mouth was open... I, I just I couldn't hardly stand it. You don't want to let something stick around too long, especially in the in the place of affliction or being afflicted. It will wear you down. Amen. And in a spiritual sense, especially since we're spiritual people, right? We believe in spiritual matters. We believe in spiritual things. We believe in taking things to God in prayer. Often maintenance of self gets left out. Often maintenance of self gets left out. Often it's someone else who's being afflicted. It's looking at someone else and saying, they, they are dealing with a lot of stuff, and they're dealing with things, and they're dealing with things. And, and I know this seems like a reversal because we're always about praying for other people, and you'll see here in a minute, we'll, we'll put a stamp on that. But if you're afflicted, if you've been afflicted, if you've been oppressed, if you've got things that you're dealing with, those are things that need to be brought to the Lord in prayer. You know, some of the, some of the craziest things... I've been sitting there asking the Lord questions before about things I didn't, I wasn't praying. I wasn't praying about them. I was asking questions. And I found, I realized that even in my prayer time, I was not praying about those. I was asking questions about them. The Lord challenged me. He said, are you, you've been praying about these? And it was the oddest, simplest question I had ever been asked. I thought, wait a second, what do you mean? Have I been praying about them? Of course I've. No, I haven't been praying about them. I'm just enduring them. I just go through it. I just take it like taking one on the chin. I just take it day after day, week after week, month after month. I just go through it. Realize that I had not been praying about the afflictions in my own life. In that they needed prayer. Why? Why do things in your life need prayer? Because this is the avenue in which we make our petitions to God. Does God know that they're already there? Of course he does. But he's waiting for your heart to open up and to reveal it to him. He's waiting on that. There's something mysteriously powerful about taking something to God, verbally speaking it, opening up and saying, here it is. Mm -hmm. Here it is. Yeah. Lord, I have some afflictions. I have some oppressions. I mentioned oppressions this morning. I have some things that are nagging on me, that are pulling on me, that have been hurting me for quite some time. You see, often, often in the, in the routine 
of our, our, of our prayer time, we don't spend time on ourselves. We don't spend time on us. Is it important to pray for other people? You bet. But if you get no prayer and you don't pray about your afflictions and the things that you're going through and the things you're dealing with, eventually you're not even going to be praying for other people. It wears you down. It pulls on those strings. It kind of, it begins to kind of uh, frustrate. <laughs> Pastor, it begins to frustrate you. And it will work you over. So pray about your afflictions. Pray about your oppressions. Bring these petitions before God. Bring the things that have been bothering you. And a lot of times, listen, I know, men and women alike, we're all, the, we're, we're all geared the same in this. We get, we get to going through life, and we'll take hits, and we really don't think too much about it, and we're just like, oh, that one, that was hard. Oh, that one, that one hurt really bad. And we just keep moving, right? That's the focus, keep moving. But the command here is not to just keep moving aimlessly, but to get these things under control through prayer. Bring these things that you've been dealing with to God through prayer. And some of you may have already been uh, attaching some things in your mind and you're thinking, you know what, I haven't thought, I haven't been praying about that. I've been dealing with that for a long time. You know, I, I think sometimes maybe we can get some of these things alleviated a lot quicker than we think if we'll just bring them to God in prayer. Just bring them to him in prayer, all right? So, so he said, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing songs. Psalms. So we know that these are one of the same, these songs and these psalms. We, we bring praise and worship to God. We know that this is a... This is an important thing. I've read this scripture many times, and that's always been an encouragement to me, is that this should be something that we are in practitioners of, is prayer and praise unto God. Practitioners. We practice these things because these are the things of a, of a Christian. This is what we do. When, when we have things to be thankful for, which is everything, every single day, which really puts us in a position where we don't just worship the Lord and praise the Lord and sing to the Lord on Sunday mornings alone. But this is an all-the-time thing. When I look at this scripture and I sing, see, if, you know, if you're married, then to sing psalms, this is not something I see as, a, as a something to partake in as much as I do a lifestyle. If I ask you if you're grateful for what you have, every one of you are going to give me the same answer. You are. But how often do we spend time really thinking about the things that we're grateful for and what we actually have been given and the fact that many of us may not even be here if it had not been for the rescuing, the saving power of Christ? Amen. I mean, some, for some of you, he rescued out of some pretty deep and dark pits. I mean, we all come from a pit, but you understand what I mean. I mean, some of us were in trouble, trouble. And when we think about the scripture, I don't think about just a moment of, or, or a service or a couple songs. I think about a lifestyle of being grateful, an attitude of life that is grateful to be where I'm at. Uh, we were talking recently about always wanting more and how, how detrimental that is uh, to the Christian, but how often we see that in our society is always been in a place where, we want, where we're always wanting more. People always want more of something, everything. I've always found that 
when you're in a place or an attitude of always wanting more, you're never content with what you have. There's always discontent. If you want more, there's a discontentment. I'm talking about material things here. There's always a sense of discontentment. When we finally come to a place where we're content and we're happy with our life, we become grateful. And I thought about that. I thought, why? Why is that? And I and I the only conclusion that I can come up with is that we didn't have time to be grateful before because we were moving too fast. Mm. But now that we've slowed down, now we can be grateful for the things that God has placed in our life. Uh, some of the some of the simple things. Simple, right? You know, you heard the saying, you don't realize what you got until it's gone. You don't realize what you got until it has been removed. I want to be grateful now for what he's given me. This is a lifestyle. This is singing unto him. And if I marry, and it's not just necessarily if I'm just being married, but being in a state or a place of gratefulness. In verse 14, he says, this, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. This is something we've done here many times. The oil, right? Mm-hmm. Representation of the Holy Spirit, right? And we get, as far as praying over people up here with this oil, this is one of the scripture bases that we get this from in our Christianity. It's anointing with oil. This is a command out of James. We anoint with oil. But once again... This is, what What did it say here? It says, is any sick among you? Is any sick among you? If you are sick, if you're dealing with a sickness, something is not right in your body. Something is, something is not quite the way that it needs to be. And identifying that, and then saying, you know what, something's not, something's not right. Then what is the next step? I need prayer. Prayer. Hey, that's it's too simple. You know, years back, you know, I was growing up, really starting at the Church of God, and then and then you know, being here and, and being young in the Lord. There's a lot of things that I didn't know, and in going to the Church of God at such a young age, I seen a lot of amazing stuff, and I seen I seen people falling out in the spirit, and I seen tongues, and I seen a lot of things that I did not know anything about, and I thought all of that was just common. That everybody that was in the Pentecostal realm, this is the way that it worked, and this is the way that they did it. It's actually not true. It didn't always work that way. And I learned that there were fundamentals and basics that, that have to be followed, that need to be followed, in, in recognition and realizing and understanding that within myself, if something's not right, I need to call out for help. So one of the hardest things, one of the hardest things for people to do is to say, I need some help. Yeah. I need some help. Would y'all, would y'all pray for me? I need some help. That's what that scripture is talking about. This is basic stuff, church. This is basic one-on-one stuff. But what I have found is, is that the church is getting farther and farther away from this, farther and farther away from the basic understanding of what leads us to a place where we are in not only good standing with God, but we're seeing God move. You do not have to have a loud service to see God move. You don't. You have to have people being obedient. That's it. It's simple stuff. And the, the recognition that someone needs help, 
I need help. Calling out, saying, would you pray for me? There's something really great about having that done in a church group because there's something called group faith that happens only when believers gather together. Now, I believe that group faith can operate over prayer waves and different things like that. I, I agree with that, and I, I'm not discrediting that. But you have an advantage tonight by having all these people that are gathered here, all these people of like faith, and that if you call out for help, everybody is going to be faithful to pray and believe for you for the thing that you're asking for. That's called group faith. When you go home, it's not the same. Can you still receive from God? Sure you can. Can you get a healing? Absolutely. I've been healed individually, alone. But we get a command here because the scripture is telling you to utilize group faith. Utilize the people that are around you. Get to exercise that. And, and, and what I'm, I'm getting to the point, but what I'm asking Rock Harbor Church to do is to exercise the very fundamental things of what is being talked about in James. That if you're being afflicted, then you need to pray. If you are sick, you need to ask for prayer. Fundamental stuff. So look, let's go. Let's go a little further because we still got we got a point to make here. Um, <clears throat> in the prayer of faith, she'll save the sick. That's a promise, right? Now, we need to we need to iron out a word here. In the prayer of faith, shall save. The word "save" in the Greek is sozo. Sozo means to save, deliver, protect, and heal. It's just kind of like a conglomerate of, of covering all things here. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. You think, wow, that's that's kind of a it's kind of like a package deal, right? Look at look at Matthew. Save your spot. We're gonna come back here. Look at Matthew chapter nine. Matthew chapter 9, verse 20. Let's start in verse 20. Everybody there? Mm -hmm. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. How many of you have heard this story? Everybody knows this story. For she said, now listen to this in verse 21, for she said within herself, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole, or be whole. The key word here is whole. And the reason the whole needs to be pointed out, because whole is sozo in the Greek. It's the same word used over in James for saved. Like, wait a second. How's that possible? She was healed physically. But remember what sozo means in the Greek. Sozo is saved, delivered, protected, and healed. There's no theological difference between being saved from your sins and then also being able to obtain healing. That's amazing to me. So, sozo. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, 
He said, daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. That's funny because she said that within herself. And then he vocally told her. He said, your faith has made you whole. You've been healed. All right, go back. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. This is a package deal. This sozo. Accessing this. This is often we put these things in two different categories. And, and, and I think it's amazing because once you tap into that, once you tap into the Lord, all things have been made available to you. All things. Some people say, well, and I, and I believe in prayer services for healing. I believe in that. I believe there's a certain anointing for that. I, I believe in, in uh, sowing seed and, and then reaping and then seeing people come and get saved, and there's a season for that. I believe that, absolutely. But what we have to understand is that these are not two completely separate things, that these things actually are one. And when you tap into one, you get the whole package. You get the whole thing. That should be something that's exciting for you and I. In that... That we feel sometimes in our prayers, it seems like God answers me over here, but he doesn't answer me over there. It seems like, you know, I pray about this, but I just don't see God move. Let, let's all be honest. We all have prayers or have had prayers in the past where we just knocked and knocked and knocked. And it just seemed like nothing moved. It's like, God, where are you at here? Sometimes we come to the conclusion, maybe he didn't hear me. Maybe I've done something wrong. Maybe there's something else that I need to do in order to, and then we try to work it out through works. The reason I'm telling you this is that when we come to this word and we look at what has been available to us, and then when he said the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have been committed sins, they shall be forgiven him, that God hears your prayers because when you were allowed in that sanctuary, when you entered in and you come before God, there's not one thing that come out of your mouth that he did not hear he heard it everything he didn't miss a thing now i say that because i wanted to encourage you because i think some of you in here have been praying for things and you're believing for things and you're like oh, where are you at let me encourage you let me encourage you through the scripture let me encourage you that god says i'm hearing you i hear you sometimes we get sidetracked and we get a little we get uh frustrated God, where are you at? Why haven't you been hearing my prayers? It seems like I'm knocking and knocking and knocking. I'm looking around. I see my brother's getting blessed. I see my sister's getting blessed. Where are you at? He's there. He's not giving up on you. It's not the end of the road. It's not the last straw. He's heard your prayers. He's heard your prayers for healing. He's heard your prayers for deliverance. He's heard your, all these prayers because they are all in one place. Sozo in the Greek. So we know that all things that be given to us, we begin access to us. So we have access to this place in God. So it says in 16, confess your faults one to another and pray. What well, we keep saying pray. A lot of prayer here, right? A lot of things on prayer. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. Now, before we can explain that part of 16, we have to read the second part of it, which says this. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I've always liked that scripture, haven't you? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It's an exciting scripture. Now, I want to explain something. 
Effectually fervent, or the effectual fervent. Effectual fervent is one word, and it's energio in the Greek. Energio. Not two words, they're one. And it's with energy and with purpose and with power. That's what that means. But the righteousness is the key, the, is, the, is the pivot point. So he says, this energetic prayer of a righteous man. Now we said this morning, we are just talking about this. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. The only righteousness that works is the righteousness of Christ. So it really comes back to this examination that if... If my prayers aren't being answered, or like I think they should be answered, I need to make sure that I'm in the faith correctly. Number one, this inter, this energio, this Greek word, is a, is a, is connected to half-heartedness. The effectual fervent prayer, full-hearted, full of power, full. You're you're putting yourself into it. Well, if there if there is that, then there's an opposite of that too, right? So what's the opposite? If you flip that, then what's the opposite of effectually fervent? It's, it's dead, dying, lethargic. My prayers have been that way before. I've been there. Where there's not a lot of effectual fervency to my prayers. There's not a lot of energy. You could say that my prayers were half-hearted. Half-hearted prayers. Half-hearted prayer time. And the, the energy that's being spoken about here, when I was asking the Lord about this, and I was like, how does this need to be presented? And this is what came to me. How about just energy about praying? The, the interest of coming before the Lord in prayer. What about that? You see, it's, it's like when you have energy in, in prayer, it's like you are ready and you want to go to prayer. You're, you have a desire to actually show up and be accountable before the Lord, and you want to spend some time with Him. There's energy. That's effectually fervent. It doesn't mean, listen, church, this comes from the some of the old Pentecostal teachings. You don't have to be screaming in your prayers. You don't have to be yelling. You don't, it don't have to be this stomping type of time when you're at your bedside. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about energy. You're, it's, it's wholeheartedness. You put all of yourself into that prayer. And not being half-hearted. And when I when I when I looked at that, I thought, whoa, that's really good because you can you can scream and still be half-hearted. <laughs> you you can scream and, and and still not all be there. Still be giving God only half of, of you. And and when he drew me back, it was like really coming back to some even more fundamental stuff. Like just being excited about going to him in prayer. Like not being lethargic about it. Like you're sitting on your listen. Look, let's be honest. It's kind of like sitting on your couch. You're like, you know you need to pray. You're like, oh, I need to pray. I really do. Okay. You kind of pull yourself up on the couch. You get in there. You get down, and you, you pray a little bit. You're like, oh, man, it's only been a couple minutes. I need to pray a little bit longer. That's half-hearted prayers. That's the kind of prayer I'm talking about. Now, do we all feel that sometimes? Sure. Absolutely. But if that's the kind of prayers that you pray day in and day out, and it's a lethargic, you've lost your energy. 
you lost it. It's not effectual, it's not fervent no more, and it's more of a drudgery. Like, I, I have to pray instead of I get to pray. Now, I don't know exactly what you need to do personally, but there's a reason why this was brought out tonight, why prayer is the focal point. Why, why prayer is the thing that we need to have reinvigorated in our lives again. And, and to pay attention to those things. And I pay, I'm coming up short. Listen, I'm being honest. I looked at that and I was like, man, half-heartedness. Mm. <clears throat> not, giving, not giving him the attention that he deserves. Maybe not being as excited as we used to be. It, like, like I said, church, it doesn't have to be stomping. But there should be a desire in your heart that you want to fellowship with the Father. You want a fellowship with him. You want to be with him. And that should challenge us. That pushes us to want to spend time in prayer. Um, how many of you have ever been in prayer? And I'll ask it like this. How many have ever been in prayer and you just felt like it wasn't enough time? Mm-hmm. I mean, like you, you got done and you were like, ooh, that was good. I, don't, I, don't really, I really don't want to get up right now. But you had to go to work, right? Or you had to be somewhere and it was time. it was time to go. And you felt as though you had not spent enough time with him, even though you may have been at your bedside for quite some time. That's the effectual fervent prayer. That's effectually fervent prayer. That's, that's something that's moving, and it's energetic. It's going, and it's healthy. It's good for us. Now, on the other side of that, when you flip it, and it's lethargic, and it's tiresome, and it's, and it's drudgery, that's the kind of thing where you'll eventually, it'll burn out. It'll fade out. Tonight, this message, I hope that it challenges you to examine your own prayer life. That's what the purpose of this is, to examine your prayer life. Where are you at in your prayers? Are they where they need to be? Are they, or do you desire to be in the presence of the Lord? Or is this something that maybe has faltered off? And it's not as exciting as it used to be. It's not as, as fun as it used to be. And we're going to rekindle that. We want to rekindle that. So I said there in the last part, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but the effectual fervor, the the energio, prayer of a righteous man avails much. And the key being righteous, as Pastor was saying there, the key being righteous, that we live before the Lord as righteous men and women before him. Now, here's the thing. There's two two points here. One is that the righteousness only comes from God. We know that. So once we've accepted him, we accept him. His righteousness and not ours. But the second part of that is that we understand that we cannot remain in a righteous place if we entertain and practice sin on the side. Does that make sense? You you can't stay in a place of righteousness. You cannot hold the title of being righteous before the Lord if we purposefully, no willingly sin on the side and then we we want to come to him in prayer. You're going to have a hard time time getting your prayers answered it's not going to happen you're not going to see it so this is why i said we have to examine ourselves and make sure that we are accepting his righteousness and that we are not practitioners of sin on the side and that when we come into to him in prayer with our petitions we're coming correct now if you're coming to him and ask for to repent well that's a totally different story but it seems as we've as you hear a lot in this church Repentance from people is not very popular in this day and time. 
And this, that's, what, that's what bothers me about people that talk about going to God and God answering prayer and, and God doing this for them and God doing that for them. But there's no righteousness. There's no, there's no fear of the Lord. There's no following Him. I argue the fact that God has not answered your prayers. How can He? That'd be a contradiction. It'd be a contradiction of Himself if you're allowed to sin willfully and Him still answer your prayers. It's like, God, I'm going to take you and I'm going to, I'm going to abuse grace and I'm going to abuse you and you're still going to answer my prayers. I'll still believe you're going to do it. That's problematic. And this is what we're seeing in our society today. This is why the scripture brings up the, the word righteousness. Righteousness. You, Pastor, are you going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah, go ahead. Anything that is fervent requires a continuous applied mm. energy. Yeah. You can take molten metal. You take the fire away, it, it's going to harden in a moment. Yeah. It, it, and righteousness is the key. Mm-hmm. That's the energy source. Yeah. I'm telling you, we're living in a world today. I wonder if people know what righteous even is anymore. Yeah. You know, we could transplant holiness right in the middle of it. Sure. It's actually yeah. the same thing. Yeah, you could. That's a power source. That's where this comes from. Mm-hmm. It's not just anybody that wants to whoop a fancy prayer up and throw it out and say, oh, no, <laughs> this this is very important right here. Yes. And it has, it's like a, a couplet with a lot of particles in it. Yeah. Where you started, where you. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that structure this thing. To where we come to this point. You know, you can put where you started there. If you allow me here, just a minute, I'm just trying to take over. No, go ahead. But uh, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing songs. It's almost like that's it's two questions, but it's put together. Yeah. Okay, you got somebody over here afflicted. Then the rest of you need to be singing songs. It's a it has healing ability. It has mm-hmm. a curing ability. Right. It does. And there's another area where people fail. Yeah. They're reluctant. They don't want to do it. They don't feel like it. Sure. If somebody's afflicted, that's a serious issue. It's suffering. It's continual and steady suffering mm-hmm. is what that is. Yeah, and it brings up a good point, too, because you, we were talking about this morning, and uh, we're too attached to our feelings, how we feel about a situation. Yeah. I don't feel like doing that. Well, I don't feel like doing that. Well, I mean, if, that, if that's the case, then we're never going to get anywhere. Where does true marriage come from? Yeah, it comes from the heart. Righteousness. Mm-hmm. It comes from the righteousness. True marriage comes from righteousness. Same thing as that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, verse 17, and this is just, we're about to end this out. It says, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. Now listen to this. Elijah was a man subject to like passions. But basically what he's saying, the verse is saying is that he's a, he was a man just like you. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the uh, space of three years and six months. So, what's, so let's think about this. So I think you look, I don't remember... It was not a very long prayer. I guess that's what I'm, my point. Very simple prayer that he prayed. So he prayed this prayer in simple formation, simple terms. But because it was rooted in righteousness, in fervency, it was answered. So that brings me back to me and you back to you. It's like, okay, where are you at with that? Where are we at? Do we have... Our prayers in steeped in righteousness and energy, because if it's not church, we're missing out on on answered prayers. We're missing out on it. And I don't want to. Yeah, I do want to say it like that. 
if you're not doing it according to God, if you're not praying according to God's guidelines, then you're wasting your time. You're just wasting your time. You're burning time, and you're not getting anything from it. Spend actual time with him, with these things in place, getting things right, getting your prayer things in order. Uh, may, I don't know. Maybe we need to, uh, maybe you need to revamp some things in your life. Maybe you've had some things arise in your life that's taken some of your time, and maybe you got out of rhythm. Uh, I've been guilty of that. need to get back in rhythm again. Uh, maybe things aren't the way they used to be, and you, you look back and you think, well, we, I used to pray at this time every day, and then this happened, and it fouled me up, and now I can't pray at that time every day. I don't care how you do it. Reevaluate your prayer time and figure out how to get it back. Figure out how to get it back in that place again where you're coming before him every day at a time and spending time with him. Spending time with the Lord. And then closing. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. And so he prayed, and then he prayed. He prayed once, a couple years went by, he prayed again, and it changed. All because of where he was at with God. And we've got a little bit of time here. So at a, on a very fundamental level, I just want to pray tonight. That's what I want to do. I want to pray. I want you to spend some time in prayer. Nothing fancy. I'm not asking for anything fancy. I just, I, I trust that you, that, that we're sitting in a group of people tonight that know and understand what it is by concept. You, you get it. You know what prayer is. You know what it's like to pray. All right. Then if you know what it's like to pray, then let's pray. And let's, let's exercise at a very basic level this, this, these scriptures, and let's spend some time in prayer. If you want to come to the altar and pray, that'd be great. If you want to pray in your pew, that's fine too. But get some things on your heart that you need work on. Get some things on your heart that you need maintenance on, yourself, you, that you need to work on. And that's what I want you to pray about tonight. Now, you could pray all over the place. I could say, you just need to come and pray. And there's no telling what you'll pray about. There's no telling. You're going to pray about you tonight. You're going to pray about your situation. You're going to pray about what you're dealing with. You're going to pray about your anxieties, about your healing about your problems, about what you need from God. Nothing else. Does that make sense tonight?